NBA on Thursday, Australia time. Uh, AFL finals are kicking off. We've got the spring racing carnival, state of origin football. It's all happening. It's all happening. What a great spring for for, uh, for sports lovers. Our punters club's going to get on a roll this week. Oh, I bloody hope so. Terrible bloody week in the leader. We've had a couple of shockers lately. That's all right. You know, we still well, got to be honest. We, I think we just started really, really well, and the expectations are very high. You know, we won three of the first four weeks. Yeah. So, you know, um, well, you know, that's all law of averages. It all works itself out. I'm sure Nolan is ready to redeem himself, um, as you and I are as well. You know, to follow Thanos is the most frustrating person in the punters club because he's managed to jag a couple of wins so he's technically worth more than you i and nolan wins what a he's contributed wins a win but, well, i could put fucking five bucks on a, a three to one horse and collect fifteen dollars but it ain't gonna get me to the penthouse hey i'm gonna go to the penthouse not the outhouse <laughs> we're not trying to go to a fucking motel mate so anyway look that's fine. We'll find out this week. There's plenty of opportunities for it. Plenty of opportunities for it. Um, yeah, but anyway. All right, today's episode, what we're going to be chatting about today is we're going to announce our uh, all NRL teams, our first team and our second team. We're going to be giving out some awards as well. Um, you know, best and fairest or player of the year and things like that. And Rookie of the Year. So we're going to give those out. But we're going to start off our show today. This time we're going to start with the dummy file. Dummy file entries, they've been done. All right. Uh, uh, for the rest of the season, they're all going to be permanent, automatic entry. There's no more warnings. Right? Absolutely. Um, but I feel as though... Thanks for reason. Yeah, I feel as though, you know, the work that we've done and the, and the players, you know, the, the credit actually has to go to the players. The, the work that they've done throughout the whole season to, to get rid of it out of the game, it's something to be proud of as the players. And let's just hope, you know, through the finals, there's no no dramas there. And moving on to 2021, we're bigger and better at, at working that dummy file there. Well, it's a bit like defending, you know. We've got to work as a unit. You can't just have one good defender and everyone else let the team down. So everyone's got to work together. And they've done, they've played their part. Unfortunately... Um, look, I might just lead this straight into my run at straight because it's been on my shoulders all weekend. Yeah. And I'm sure probably uh, many other fans out there. I never thought I'd do this. I'm running it straight at the the Roosters. All right, there you go. What, what, what did we see? What did we witness on Friday night? I, I've never been more shocked in my life, embarrassed, uh, and just at a loss as well. You know, I spoke to you probably a couple of hours before the game, feeling very confident. Always excited for rivalry matches, Roosters versus South. Always excited. There's always an element of nervousness because you never want to lose to them. But it is also that, oh, well, look, last game, going into the final season, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll go in and we'll beat them. And I just went in and expected it. Had my Roosters jersey on. I was at the pub in Newcastle where, you know, one bloke said, geez, you're braver than me wearing that in here. Um you know, watching the Knights game first and, yeah, what happened? I don't know. Um, it seems like a lot of the players or the coach or the whole Roosters seem to think um, along the lines of what I was thinking. Yep, sweet, last round of the season. We'll beat the Bunnies and then we'll get ready to play Melbourne next week. Yeah. So, I look, that's all That's all I can really say. You know, it's, it's, it's it just, that hurt. That hurt. That really, really hurt. Now, I know we're going to talk about it a bit more in depth um, a little bit later in the show, but, yeah. 
uh, I have to run it straight at the roosters for that because that was so that, they, were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were not working as a unit. That defensive team was not working as a unit. Um, it wasn't that Bondi look, Wall as we're really up for. Not, not that Bondi Wall, mate. Bondi Wall, man, there was Bondi Pebbles, you know? So, yeah, look. I'm just, it's not, it's not anger. It's, it's despair. Despair. Oh, well, my run it straight this week. My run it straight. It's a little bit, a little bit different now. For, for the run it straight, it's more just about going hard at a topic. You know, a lot of times we do use it in a, in a negative connotation. I'm actually going to use this in a positive connotation. And I want to run it straight at the coaches and their press conferences. And, you know, you and Isaac, we would consider ourselves um, connoisseurs of the game. Now, other people might laugh at that. They might, you know, or scoff at that. think that's a ridiculous claim. But I, I thought about it today and, I, and I, I'm actually going to stand by and stand by the fact that I would consider you and I connoisseurs of the game. Now, firstly, start off by the fact that we have a podcast, a sports podcast, that is revolves around rugby league. Let's face it. Right? So mm-hmm. we decide to discuss and share our thoughts on rugby league once a week. So that's the first sign that we would consider as concerned. Let, let's be honest, Wick. Our weeks revolve around rugby league. Correct. <laughs> our weeks are structured around it. Correct. I just had to... I was querying, what am I doing? What are you doing Friday night? And I said, oh, the Roosters are playing. And then sort of just put a halt to the rest of their plan. <laughs> you know, just the rugby league season, then the, the weekends revolve around when the Roosters are playing. Yeah, exactly right. But, but f- further to that, one of the other aspects is sort of that we, we actually appreciate the finer things about the game as well. We like to talk about the intricacies of the game. And the closest that we can sort of get on a regular basis to the intricacies of the game are the press conferences. So we watch the press conferences. You know, uh, if you listen to these podcasts, you actually hear us be critical of, of some of the other coaches. I was quite critical of Adam O'Brien. I ran it straight at Adam O'Brien earlier in the year. Um, and I'm running it straight this time, but in a positive sense, about Trent Robinson's press conference on the weekend that, you know, you and I, we would watch his press conferences every week. We, we try and watch it straight away. If not, I really want to watch it before I start to talk about what because he sort of helps me uh, understand what I was seeing and understand what I was feeling or thinking or just to put the, put the, the thought into what was going on out there. Uh, but also, it's the easiest way to be able to get an insight to what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, we watched the press conference. I didn't watch it straight after the game. I think I'd had enough of it by the time the game was over. So, I was off. But the next morning, I watched the press conference. And just sort of, just me being me as I do with all the press conferences, go, oh, what a legend. But no real surprises there. And we sort of talked about it. I actually didn't really think too much of it considering we watch a lot of his press conferences. But you and I were really impressed by the fact that he took the brunt of that. And mm-hmm. we just sort of, we understood all the sort of the, the layers and the intricacies of it, of what that means and what that sort of symbolises. Because we, we, we didn't really go into too much depth, you and I. But on Sunday, I was at Dunn's house and we were watching The Five. Shout out to Dud, who's been listening out there. Um, well, shout out to actually all the Kiwis who are listening out there as well. Style Bender, you know, world champion. Claims to be oh, bigger than the All Blacks. Big effort. But anyway, but anyway I, was at the, I was at Dud's house watching that final. We started talking and, and it was actually done 
who brought it up. Now, Dan, he's not the rugby league connoisseur. I think he'd comfortably say that. But for Dan to sort of say, he watched the press conference and he said, I'm sitting there watching the press conference. The Roosters get flogged 60 points to eight and Trent Robinson standing, sitting there, telling me on the TV screen that it was his fault. That he'd taken the full responsibility of the... And as he was telling me that, I was going, he, he fucking did. And that's what you and I sort of took for granted. But someone else who doesn't really watch it, they were going, hang on a second, there was 17 guys out there on a football field. He, The closest that he would have got to the football field was the change rooms. And in the press conference, the art, the skills, the the sort of the intricacies, the the layers to Trent Robinson is his ability Leadership. to and just completely just like brush off the fact that the Roosters had just had a world record, world record, a club record score put on them, and he's gone, oh yes, yeah. So that was that was my doing there. I apologize about that, but you know, we'll have to get be better and we'll get on with it. You know what I mean? And then to double that, Dunn watches Wayne Bennett's press conference after it, and he handles his in his sort of way, where, you know, you know, happy, but not too overly impressed, not going to get too carried away of ourselves. And Dunn sort of said to me, he's like, they sort of, that's another level, another aspect of the, the coaching role. And I go, yeah, it's all about timing them like they're Melbourne, Melbourne Cup horses. Absolutely. And then, and would you say these are the Bar Cummings of Melbourne Cup trainers? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Friedman, Lee Friedman's the Bart Cummings, you know. Um, you've got to get your stayers right. It's it's a really um, great example of leadership, you know. You don't get to the positions that you're in, like Wayne Bennett and Trent Robertson to be, I mean, especially in Wayne's uh, case, being as successful as he has for so long, and obviously Trent for the amount of success he's had. Um, without strong leadership and strong leadership starts with accountability. And like you said, he owned it. He was just like, it's my job to get the boys prepared. And clearly I didn't do a good job. It's quite, it contrasts quite a bit when you go to the other end of coaches, when you see a bunch of excuses coming out. Um, different well, the, the timing as well. I think what was really important about Trent Robinson's one and impressive, I feel, is the timing. You know what I mean? Because you, you would be ropeable. The, the truth, the fact of the matter is whether you prepared them well enough or not, you would still be ropeable that the performance, one week before the semifinals, if ever there's going to be a game where we need to be up for other than a semifinals game, is this game. And then to put a performance like that out there, for him to be able to hold his nerve, you know, it would have been interesting to see what he had to say at halftime and then even at full time. Does he carry that? Is he still carrying that going, you know, like, I'm not going to beat you guys up here? Or at what point does he make them accountable for it? Does he, he know that they're going to I be? Think, I think, one, yes, he knows. He knows his group and he knows that um, they're going to sort of take their medicine as well. But he said it in the press conference. He's like, yeah, look, that really hurt. That was embarrassing. Um, we'll lick our wounds. You know, we're going to feel that. We'll look over where, where um, what needs to, you know, what we need to learn from that. And then come Sunday morning, we move on from that and then we get ready for finals footy. And I think it is exactly as that, that would have happened. The next day, they would have done, you know, their recoveries and they probably would have gone over some things. And from what I hear, all the players wanted to watch the video. They're like, okay, we've got to look at this and we've got to see where, where we let ourselves down and our team down. 
and then they move on from it. Fans did, and the fans did, and the fans, yeah, the fans, the Roosters community. Because the I, Roosters I think community. of all the all the good that they've done for the fans, and we cannot we cannot necessarily say we're ungrateful because I'm not being ungrateful here. For all that they've given us to the fans, there's only one thing as fans can ask for. And to have a scoreline like that, you got to start to think maybe they probably let their fans down. You know, it's one thing if they lose, they lose. You know, there's been we've watched games before, and I've never, never felt sort of, and I didn't feel like let down. Like, oh, they fucking dogged me. They're gonna make me my health, my life hell. It wasn't like that, but you know, as fans, like it's just that, yeah. Lead up to it's, it's that gutted feeling. Yeah, yeah it's that gutted feeling on the weekend. Is if it's your rival, there's the grand final. Other than the grand final, it's your rival. And to have to put up with the rivals like that, that's where you feel like you can be a little bit... Anyway, I'll move on. Like I said, they're going to be hurt. And I'll just hear more about just the, uh, the intricacies of the, the... the Not the intricacies, that's not it. It's the balance of being able to handle and manage a press conference. Yeah. Is a skill. It's the nuance of it all. The um, look, b- b- before we move on, I do have... I actually have one more run at straight that I want to throw out. Um, yeah just quickly, um, because it's it's something I had in my head before and it's uh, it slipped out, but it's, it's entered back in. Um, I'm going to run it straight. At, I've run it straight at these blokes before. Um, the old Salties, uh, who are quite often on um, old NRL 180, uh, and the Sookin and the Whingen that went on when uh, the Raiders named their squad and the Storm named their squad. And they left all these stars out. And they were, you know, Kenty, who loves getting angry at things, was ropeable. This is outrageous. The NRL should come in. Um, you know, they've rested so many players. There are these TV contracts, um, big broadcasting contracts that, you know, that they're sort of taking the mickey out of by putting reserve grade squads out there. You know, that's, the NRL should speak to them, et cetera, et cetera. You know, without taking any sort of consideration to the fact that, you know, this is a very unique year where we've had um, no buys for 18 straight weeks. And what fucking humble pie they'd be eating on the weekend because the Raiders beat the Sharks with yeah. their reserve grade squad. So it actually made for a more entertaining game. I could only imagine if they played all their blokes, they probably would have won by 30. Yeah. Um, and then the Storm nearly done the Dragons. Now, I actually thought coming into the week, I thought I reckon both teams will win. I still reckon both teams will win. And this just actually probably makes a better game. So to the Salties that wanted a sook and whinge and everything, fucking get that up, yeah. <laughs> Get it up. Exactly right. All right, now um, we've got the front rowers. Front rowers, we've been watching them all year. It's been the year of the front row, but I actually think, you know, thanks to two in the tackle, the front rowers, because they're getting some recognition, they start to, you know, try and, try and be recognised more often and they're scoring tries. Uh, we had a few tries on the weekend. Did you get who they were? We did, yeah. Look, another another great week for front row tries. It's been, it's been successful the last few weeks. We had uh, big old Payne Haas getting over on Thursday night. Yeah, First yeah. try scorer as well. I'm always a fan of that. Big Jimmy Tamo got over for the Panthers. Yeah, uh, and I think that might have been his first one this year too. So okay. um, well, pretty well, good to get off the good good to get off the uh, the nudie on in round twenty. Um, Dinamis Louie, first try. First try as well. Mate, these props, mate, get on a first try. They'll be big, juicy prices for all those punters. And a real late bloomer to the try scoring uh, scene for front row is Teddy Yeah, three um, in a row. He just, just, just re-signed, three in a row, just re-signed with Manly. I think he's going to be a really good front row for them. So great uh, great to see that coming through when they're uh, losing a great player in Adam Fanua Blake. Um, and it, that, that will lead me to our top try scorer list. 
um, of the season. Um, quite impressive. There's a lot of backs on here that fall underneath these blokes. <laughs> um, so so uh, uh, very happy to see the guys that set all the tries up getting to uh, score a few of them themselves. So, uh, mate, top of the table. Look, big Tino. He was fantastic. Um, I don't know where he's going to end up playing in the Gold Coast, whether he's going to be end up being an age or a middle. I guess it just depends on who else they got up there. But he's a big boy and he's seven tries. Seven tries for the year. Um, but not far behind him, the first try scoring phenomenon, Brandon hamlin Ueli, Six tries just behind him, sniffing behind. So a uh, great try scorer there. And then in equal third, uh, Josh Papali'i, the try scoring machine with 50 plus in his career. Kane Evans, love to find the stripe as well, also on four tries. And Nelson Asafa-Solomona, another four tries. So the Storm didn't mind getting up through the middle and getting a few of the big boys in near the goal. It's such, so, such an easy play for Cam Smith. Yeah, look, mate, when you've got the best hooker in the game, you've got the goat hooker of all time, uh, yeah, let him let him go to work. Was there also a Tigers player that scored four tries this year? Uh, Josh Alloway. Uh, Josh, uh, Josh Alloway. Yeah, Josh That's Allen. right. You know, you know, we're That's not going right. to we're not, we're not give him, you know, uh, participation awards, but if he scored four tries, as much as the other guys scored four tries, we've got to mention that. So don't, we didn't miss out on you, Josh Allen. You know, we're all... all those, look, all those blokes scored more tries than Blake Ferguson, who scored, I think, 100 in his career. So, um, very impressive. Well, how many did Ferguson score this year? Two or three? Two. Two. Did he not score on the weekend? Maybe he had a take. Oh, he scored three. Yeah, he did. He scored three. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry, he scored three. He scored three and had about five taken off him. Poor bloke. Yeah. <laughs> Would have had to, almost had try of the year. So um, the big, the best no try of the year. Yeah. Um, all right. So, well, I think we've gotten over all of our formalities here for for our regular show. You know, gotten over the formalities. Uh, we're going to talk about the semi-finals. All right, but we'll we'll keep the semi-final chat. Till after our awards, okay? So we'll name the prizes or the, the, the team of the year. What do you reckon, Kaz? Um, look, let's get stuck into the team of the year and then we can give out those individual awards. All right, so should we go the second team or the first team? I reckon let's, we do the first. Let's go second. Yeah, let's okay. do the first team first. That's why they're called the first team. Yeah, we'll go the first team because if you go the second team, you sort of pretty much already announced in the first team, sort of. Yeah. just confuses everyone when you've already announced it. That makes sense. All right, so what? What do you want? Who wants to do the backs, and who should I do the forwards? Well, you're you're a bit more of a halfback than me, Wick. So I'll let you do the. Uh, I'll well, I'll pick off the backs then. All right, so for the first team, for the backs. Oh, sorry, not for the backs. At fullback, I think that this is like a no-brainer, really, for fullback. We've got James Tedesco from the Sydney Roosters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wick Yeah, go. I was going to say, yeah, just really impressive year. You know, um, people like to think that he slipped under the radar, was a bit quiet, but that's just that super high bar that he sets. Yeah, just super so. high bar. I suppose we could do a full-on chat about all of them, but I think I'm just going to name the team. So I'm just going to go James Tedesco, Brett Morris, uh, and Josh Adakar on the wings. We've got Stephen Crichton, debut season, or not debut season, but, you know, first full-time season. And Joey Munnard was the other setter. And okay. in the halves, we had Luke Keary and Nathan Cleary as our half and 5-8 combination. Impressive. Impressive. That's a very impressive back line. But, um, yeah, sorry, continue. I was going to say, I was going to say that would haunt a lot of teams. Oh, absolutely. You know, that, imagine if that had been a first grade. I reckon we could Four. probably fit them in. We've already got half of them. We've got a couple. Yeah, look, 
Yeah, I look quite and look good in the red, blue, and white. So would have a car. Oh, well, he doesn't want to come back. He wants to come to Sydney. He wants to come, he wants to, come to Sydney. Yeah, well, whose position is he going to take that? That's all. All right. So what about uh, the forwards there, Kaz? Yeah, look, the forwards um, up front, the big boys uh, in the front row, Josh Papali'i and James Fisher-Harris, um, both fantastic players throughout the year. Uh, and a breakout year, Api Coruscant in the hooking role, um, edged out a, a giant. And in the back row, Viliami Kikau and uh, Elliot Whitehead, Mr. Consistent. I think he's played about 120 straight games. And this guy, all, he gets finally getting some recognition, Isaiah Yo. Yeah. What a performance. Yeah, lock of the year, without a doubt. Um, so you want to touch on these guys first, on the first team, before we get into the second team? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll touch on Billy Army Kickout. I've been chanting his name pretty much since 2018, 2018. And it's not because, like, I saw him before everyone else saw him. He was a machine last year. He was a machine again this year. At the beginning of the year, I thought the Panthers, you know, I might have stretched it if I said they were going to win it, but... It was something like that. They've got to really push for it, all based around the fact that Viliami Kikia, uh is so superior to all the other back rows at the moment. And when I say superior, I just feel like his top end is can't be touched by really any of the other, other back rows. Mm. Uh, the best thing for him is the rest of their team got a lot better, so he didn't have to be their only weapon. Yeah. You know? Just a bit like when Tedesco was at the Tigers. He was always good, but he just didn't have... A lot of other great players to give him the opportunity to do all these great things. Just now, relieves and now. a little bit more of attention. Just relieves Absolutely. the attention. And then, but for him to be able to, yeah, I suppose be consistent this year is a credit to the rest of the comp- rest of the team to be able to allow him to get his opportunities when he gets them. Uh, who was someone that you wanted to chat about? Um, look, obviously, Happy Carousel, man. What a year. What a fantastic year he had. You know, I, I remember I remember when he was at Manly last year and he was still really effective for them. Like, he was great and they really felt a loss from him and also Feynman. But Feynman was edging him out, you know. He was, that's why he was kind of, I guess he was more on the bench and they were kind of sharing that role. Um, and obviously that's what led him to leave and go to Penrith. But he's been the best thing for Nathan Cleary. The best thing. Just, he's been fantastic out of nine. He doesn't run a lot. But when he does, like, he picks the exact right times to run. You know, something that Cameron Smith does very well. Um, if the, it's, it, I guess, being a little bit older and a bit more experienced, knowing when to assert yourself in the game, he's, his timing has been fantastic this year. So yes. he's a big, massive for that, for that young Panthers team, yeah. um, without a doubt. Just before we get on to our second team, I just wanted to say the first team pretty much picked itself, really. You know, we, yeah. we might have had a few differences here and there, but once we saw each other's team, we were just like, oh, okay, actually, no, no, that person's got it, this person's got it. So the first team sort of picked itself. It was more the second team that had a few differences. We sort of needed to negotiate or discuss, you know, who's probably ahead here and who probably ahead there. Most of them were the same, but there was, that one was the one that was a little bit more difficult. Did you want to do the backs this time? I'll, I'll shoot through the backs. Um... One of those positions, which I think was very tightly contested, was the fullback position. Um, we ended up going with um, uh, Clint Gutherson, Clinton Gutherson. Um, he just edged out Pappenhausen, and it was so close. Oh, to be honest, I think both of us could have been happy either way, yeah. uh, but I definitely feel that just the complete year, the captain of Parramatta, um, he was just awesome for him all year. Especially when times um, were tough for them. Especially when times were tough for them. He was really yeah. steady, yeah. 
always consistent, man. He's always he's 200 plus run meters. He's going to do all the work, but he's also involved in a lot of their attack. You know, trying to create things. And yeah, okay, every now and again, just like any player, he might make an error or make a, a wrong decision. But he does so many more good things than he does than he does errors. And he's led really well for that team. Yeah. Um, on the flanks, uh, Nick Kotrick and David Nofaluma. Poor Nofaluma. He was two tries in front, his top try scorer going into the last round and got overtaken by two players. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, but look, great year. He's awesome. You know, I think full credit to uh, smaller wingers. Now, uh, you know, so many wingers are quite big and tall and they've got to, the guys who are a little shorter have got a bit of extra things that they've got to be able to do to, to be as effective and he does all those things. He's a pinball uh, bouncing off tacklers. So the only person who broke more tackles than him this year was James Tedesco. So very impressive. And that's always there. Uh, in the centers, um, Peter Hiku, one of my favorite players to watch this year. I thought he was phenomenal for the Warriors. Really refound some form. And just the best in a beaten bunch, Katoni Staggs. Um, heartbreaking for him to do his ACL in the last game of the year, fighting for a, a fucking wooden spoon. Um, I hope that they can, he can get out of Brisbane. I really do for his sake. Yeah. Um, because he's from New South Wales anyway, getting down here. So those are our centres. And in the halves, um, Sean Johnson at halfback, a uh, fantastic year for him for Cronulla, a really career year and career defining. And Jack White, just ever reliable Jack White, just such a dangerous player in the sixth row. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's a pretty, pretty decent backline, obviously. You know, second all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the few ones that, so Gutherson you touched on, uh, we probably. Uh, was a bit hard to do, to decide, but also the centers, the centers were the ones that we sort of. There was Zach Lomax and even mm. Olam from down there at the Melbourne Storm, but we decided those two were probably the the pip the other ones. But again, yeah, yeah. with the other guys as well. Yeah, there's probably look, there's probably three or four guys that could miss out that could be just as deserving. We're talking a matter of inches, and this is just who we think because they had the best performing season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. All right, so in the forwards, we've got Junior Paulo and Siwa Takiyaho up front. So uh, Siwa's been integral to the Roosters this year. He probably, you know, we still look at Jared as the as the um, the leader of the pack there, but Siwa's probably the one who's the most impactful when it comes to op- opposing teams having to handle him. I feel yes. like he's probably got the most attributes in the mm. front row, anyway, for the Roosters. Uh, Junior Paulo, he's been integral to the, pair, the Parramatta sort of, um, you know, successes this year. And, you know, he was really the game-breaker in the, ga- in the game against the Tigers on the weekend, so. Yeah, yeah, uh, deadly offload. Yep. Uh, and, and Hooker, Cameron Smith, you know, he could have been first, but he was second. You know, we just thought Happy Carousel probably had a better overall season. But if Cameron Smith won it, Cameron Smith won it as well. Wouldn't have been... Uh, but we both yeah. we had it that order, but other people might have had it the other way around. But we went yeah. second. Uh, but that's not a knock. I'm sure he's had second uh, team all year before. Uh, second row Tohu Harris for the Warriors. You know, the the Warriors have done it tough, but he's just been consistent. He's played every game this year as well. Every game this year. He's, he run, runs for about 180 metres and makes 45 tackles every game. Yeah, and he's just so versatile. When I say versatile, it's not like he's Mitchell Orbison where he'll play centre one week and then, and then um, you know, front row or middle of the next week or whatever. It's just the fact that he can just just do everything on the field. I don't know how But, but you know what? You can obviously wind that back. He probably actually can because he's played second row the majority of the year. Started moving into the middle for the last few games as they lost some guys. He played six 
for the Storm. And I'm pretty sure when he debuted, he started out in the centres. So, like, there's a lot of positions that he has played. He is very versatile. You're right. And then one guy that I've been championing for the last maybe five or six weeks, and I've been mm. chipping away at you, chipping away at you, working on you for this guy, and you finally let him into the side. You know, you, it took him 20 rounds, though. It took him 20 rounds to just get <laughs> yeah. Lethal Liam Martin. And, uh, you yeah. know, so I, I hope he's quite honoured in, in this announcement. You know, his first full season to make an all in a row second team for to the tackle. You've got to be happy with that. I would be happy with that if I was Liam Martin. And, and, to get there. and he also wasn't in the starting team to begin the year, you know. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is, he it got his opportunity because of an injury and then just never gave his spot back. He's not given it. You know, and look, that's the respect to that. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and then at 13, it's hard to go past. We just we just gave it to him, obviously because he played well this season, but just when he plays, the numbers just always skyrocket. Jason Tambalola. Um, yeah, so cool. If he, you know, the drag, the Cowboys, they didn't have, you know, all their players in the right, all their, what's it called, ducks in a row. You know, they might have had a, a good enough squad there, but they just didn't have all their ducks in a row. If they can get mm. it all working over the next couple of years, New coach Todd Payton, you know, like he's done well um, at the Warriors. But anyway, that, that's enough. So those are our teams. We'll, we'll go over them just now. I'll, I'll do the first team, you do the second team. Just in order, through one through to 13. James Tedesco, so this is the first team. Sorry, sorry if this is confusing, by the way. James Tedesco, Brett Morris, Stephen Cronin, Joey Manu, Josh Adokar, Luke Keary, Nathan Cleary, Josh Papali'i, Appy Coruscant, James Fisher-Harris, William Kikau, Elliot Whitehead, and Isaiah Yo. And uh, coming up in the second team, we've got uh, Clinton Gutherson, Nick Kotrick, Tony Staggs, Peter Hickey, David Nopaluma, Jack Whiten, Sean Johnson, Junior Paulo, Cameron Smith, Siwa Takiaho, Tohu Harris, Liam Martin, and Jason Tomalulu. There you go. Congratulations, guys, on being announced in the inaugural to the tackle, the tackle. teams for the 2020. I look forward to the 40th annual to the tackle team. Actually, absolutely right. One day, maybe one day, Jason Tamalolo could be one announced in the team. Well, why not? Okay. Now, uh, we've got to go to our awards, our award ceremony. I reckon you should take charge of this part here because these were, these were yeah, your... Yeah, well, look... Some awards we wanted to give out this year were um, obviously uh, the best and fairest or MVP, however you want to word it, um, but best the, the best player of the year. Am I able to make um, a request on the on the name of it? For sure. It's 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 not it's not nothing spectacular. I just think it's 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 effective. Player of the year. Two of the tackles. Yeah, player, player, of the year. player of the year. Player of the year. So we're going to be giving out a player of the year. We're going to do a top three for each of these awards. So we've got the two of the tackles, player of the year. Uh, the Rookie of the Year, uh, Most Improved Player, uh, Best Buy, um, and uh, Coach of the Year, and then we'll do a Comeback Player of the Year. So uh, on a couple of those ones, Best Buy, obviously, self-explanatory. Comeback Player is just, it's about a, you know, a player who has probably has had, had a drop, had a bit of a lull in their career or in their form, you know, over more than just a few rounds, over a, a season or two, and they're, they're returned. Uh, rookie of the year, our conditions are similar to the NRL because it's very hard to get the guy who just debuts that season. Um, so our cutoff was you have to play less than five games before yep. you can your sort of full year this year. 
and most improved, the rest of them are pretty self-explanatory. Um, so, look... And the most improved we... award, the most improved award's not going to our best mate's son, either. No. I'm not going to give it to my best mate's son. It's actually going to be a genuine award this, at this level. Until the tax. Yes, exactly right. So, uh, look... Let's kick it off with uh, look, let's kick it off with the, the the top of the tree, the player of the year, the player of the year, and uh, I think there's a pretty fair consensus on this on who the player of the year is. Um, if he's lucky enough, he may just win the Dalian, and that's a you know the, if the guy wears a number seven for um, the minor premiers, Nathan Cleary. Congratulations! What a year! What a year! What a year, man! What a year! You know, I I, I know I had. I won't say doubts. I always believed that he was good, but I remember as in the, over the last two seasons, he's played some Origin and there's been a lot of hype about him. And I know my opinion was always, look, I agree, he's good, but there's also a lot of hype about how great he's going to be. Let's focus on what he is and where he will be. And this year, he's just exploded. Exploded. He's the best halfback in the competition. He's got that team on a string. Um, he's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. Phenomenal all year. Um, so whether he wins the Dalian or not, maybe the TikTok pops him out. It'll be even more impressive if he does win the Dalian, considering he missed two weeks and he'll lose six points. But that's why we're doing player of the year because Dalian's fucking dumb. I think so that's what it, I think I've just received a text. I think he's just received a text. Um, yes, I've just received a text. He'll be keeping his Dalian points. You'll be keeping his daily points. Yeah. I'm just shooting the text. But anyway, that's another story for another day. <laughs> he got player of the year. Who came in in second for player of the year? Look, look, second place um, is still probably, you know, one of the best, arguably one of the, the best guy in the game. It's James Tedesco. It has to be. Um, you know, it was funny hearing commentary through the middle of the year about people saying, oh, he was, seems a bit off. He's not quite himself. But... He's just set a bar so, so high um, into what you can expect from him every week. And what he does for, for his football team is just phenomenal. Um, he's, he's so impactful in what he does. He does things that so many other players can't do. And, and that's why he has, to, he has to come in in second. You know, led the league in tackle breaks. You know, made about 250 metres a, a, a week. I think he led the league in line break assists. Um, he's just in everything and, um, and he's going to be a great player for years to come um, without a doubt James Tedesco phenomenal phenomenal player and who coming at third and look third place was um, I thought you know it was a real shock this year uh, a real shock into uh, that this guy would be in this conversation and, and that's Sean Johnson he um, he was great you know without him in that shark side uh, they don't make the finals they don't do all the things they do led the league in try assists and really changed his game massively. So uh, massive performance from him. Really sad that he got injured um, with two weeks to go for the finals because obviously he's, um, he hasn't played fi- a lot of finals footy in his career, unfortunately, during his time at the Warriors. Um, but yeah, fantastic year for Sean Johnson. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll move on to uh, Rookie of the Year. I could do Rookie of the Year. I could do Rookie of the Year. Take us off. Yeah, rookie- no, take us off. Rookie of the Year, the Penrith Panthers, Stephen Crichton. Uh, he's got Rookie of the Year. Spectacular season. Uh, you know, try-scoring freak phenomenon. That left edge is just outside kick out. You know, Jerome Lua was in contention for getting five out of the year as well. Uh, but, you know, that whole combination down the left-hand side, Stephen Crichton, it's like he's been a seasoned veteran there. Uh, second place for Rookie of the Year, 
the New Zealand Warriors, uh, we did a piece on him, or you did a piece on him. Alessi Katawa for the New Zealand Warriors is his second full season rugby league. And, Fantastic. You know, he's just spectacular. I, we just love watching him play. And then at third, I sort of threw this guy in there. We had to check the availability or the eligibility. And yeah, Jamal Fogarty for, or Fogarty, sorry, for the Gold Coast Titans. Yeah, fantastic. The years for 2020. Mate, great, a great group of young players and, and uh, a late bloomer there bringing up the rear. Could have quite easily won the award himself. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, look, I might leave that next one for a little longer. Let's just go into Coach of the Year. Um, yep. I think this one, again, is pretty self-explanatory. Look, you, you lose one game all year, you win Coach of the Year. Ivan Cleary. Um, there was a lot of hype. <laughs> There's a lot of hype uh, before he arrived pre-last season and the way it kind of all happened. And they had a bit of a flop last year. It didn't really work out for them. Missed the finals and they came in humming this year. So full credit to Ivan Cleary and what he's done. Um, so Coach of the Year performance for, for Ivan Cleary. Um, in second place, look, no one saw uh, the rise they had at the back end of the year and that from the, the Gold Coast Titans. So Justin Holbrook, first year for the Titans. You know, sometimes that can happen first season with a coach. You might get more points than you... You deserve it's the honeymoon period, but no one thought the Gold Coast Titans would finish ninth. Yeah. Everyone had them 16th or maybe 15th. So fantastic performance, found a lot of great young players. And then third place, mate, Mr. Consistent. He's just always in it amongst it. Craig Bellaby. Um, you'd forget that what the Melbourne Storm have actually gone through this year, given where they sit and how little you hear out of them. Yeah. Um, but you know they're from Melbourne, who is still under, who's just recently come out of the toughest lockdown curfew in the world, and they had to relocate their whole team to Queensland. Not a peep, mind you. If you've ever been to Melbourne and you move to Sunshine Coast in the middle of the year, you might be a little happier too. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, he's look once again. They finished second. They finished top two every year. So phenomenal, phenomenal by Billy Ake. Yep, easy. Um, we'll go to Best Buy. Yeah, Best Buy. Best Buy. All right, so Best Buy, Penrith Panthers again. They've killed it this year, haven't they? Appy Coruscant. You know, they managed to pick him up for the Manly Ringer Seagulls. Now, I don't want the Manly Ringer Seagulls to cop slack for letting him go. Because, no. you know, he was playing 40, maybe 50 minutes. The other guy who was there is still there. He's still going to be there next year. And it's, that's the only reason why he was gone is because they had another guy there. But anyway, Panthers, Panthers managed to benefit from him. The strange thing is they should never have let him go in the first place. So the fact that he was on, he was let go is a problem. But anyway, they've they've got him back and, and he's the buy of the year. Uh, Grant, loan of the year, buy of the year, same thing. Paul Marouski played for the Storm on the weekend, so it'll do. And I'm going to go with Madison. Madison yep. in the third place for the Parramatta Seal. Yep. No, all fantastic buys for those, cl those clubs and all had a massive impact. Um, so, look, next, let's go to um, the Comeback Player of the Year. Yep. Um, so, obviously, as I said, Comeback Player of the Year, you know, it sort of makes a lot of sense in the title. Um, for me, it's, it's Sean Johnson. It's Sean Johnson. There was all talk at the start of the year um, about this Rocks and Diamonds. Would, would he ever really live up to this potential? Um, there's such a difference between his his best game and his poor game. He's just a, you know, glitz and glamour kind of guy. And there's a guy who won the golden boot, you know, has put on some amazing performances, made the finals in his first year with the Warriors in 2011. 
And he was being looked at as being moved on from the Sharks. And what a year he's had. He's, it's not just that he's had a great year. It's the way he's done it. He's become a different halfback. Become a different player. So, Sean Johnson, for me, comeback, comeback player of the year. Fantastic season. Um, also, uh, in, in amongst those comebacks, so I'd have uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard. Yep. Um, unwanted by Penrith. Uh, you know, signed a big deal. You know, he was benched and was in reserve grade last year. And they actually paid him to go and play elsewhere. And he's been fantastic for Parramatta. Started every week, you know, and in the first two months, two, three months of the season when they were really, really rolling, it was off the back of what him and Jordan DiPolo were doing. And uh, in third place, Peter Hicken. He went, he was, to me, was, I remember when he came on the, the, the scene in 2013 with Manly and, you know, a lot of bright excitement about this, this player with a great little silky touch and um, just, just a footballer. And then he kind of just slipped away into, into the abyss a little bit. And he'd been in and out of the Warriors side as well. And just, mate, almost since Todd Payton really took the reins, he's just shone so brightly. And he's been amazing for that Warriors side. So, you know, he'll be back playing uh, football for, for the inter- international football for, for years to come because of the way he's played this year. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then most improved player of the year, right? Eh? Uh, we'll yeah. go with... Uh, we're not, we'll go with the, the Kurt Mann for the Newcastle Knights. You know, he was given a solid position, unfortunately, due to too many injuries to the club. He had to eventually move into number nine. But when they just stuck with him at six, he found a home there at six and, you know, was, would deservedly give him the most improved for this year. Uh, Jerome yeah. Hughes down there at the Melbourne Storm. Not that he was terrible last year, by no means, but he's just put himself in the, the top shelf for halfbacks in the competition. Does it his own way as well. He's not like Cooper Croc. He's not like, uh, and he's not like Sean Johnson or Benji Marshall. He's very much, you know, his own style of, of halfback. And, he, and he, he gets the job done. And we felt that he's, you know, really earned himself, you know, top tier halfback nowadays. And uh, the other guy who's been improved, and it's due to consistency and nothing else, Junior Polo. He's always yeah. been this good. It's just being able to do it week in, week out for a long period of time. He'd always sort of Absolutely. You know, shown patches of why he was considered a good player in first-grade material and, and offered big contracts whenever he went, wherever he went. Uh, but it's now that he's being able to do it on a regular basis. So you know, It's interesting as well with those, those first two guys. Both of them were guys who, you know, last year probably didn't really quite know what their best position was. And had and played a number of different positions and been settled and sort of really taken ownership of the roles. Obviously, Kurt Mann, unfortunately, has had to be moved around a bit more and because of his versatility. But they really owned the positions that they were they were able to sort of... Um, that, they, that they were put in and, and really made them their own. So full credit to those guys. Full credit. Yep. Um, now, was there any other awards that you wanted to go through? Uh, no, look, that's that's all the awards. I'd say a special mention in the coach of the year um, would have to be Todd Payton. Um, now, obviously, I know the Warriors didn't make the finals, but given everything that New Zealand went through, most pundits had him finishing last or second, next to last and half the team would want to go home. And for a guy to come in and be the interim coach after coach has been sacked and they're in another country and to turn around that culture um, in the space of, you know, three or four months... Fantastic effort. So, um, you know, he could very easily have been in the top three. And that's why he's got himself a, a coaching gig up in North Queensland. So, um, exactly. on you, Todd. On you, Todd. A front rower as well. 
great mind. You know, with a halfback's brain. But also, another special mention, I'm going to throw it out there. You know, it could have been a late running. We had a bit of a chat about it today. It could be recency syndrome as well. But the truth of the matter is, you know, he started the season suspended uh, due to kicking some bloke on, on the piss up in Casino. You know, just a little bit carried away. He's managed to, you know, there was a bit of a, you know, a, a little bit of a drop. When I said he fell off for the rest of the year, that's not actually true. He had a little bit of a form confidence probably slump after Origin last year. Uh, but towards the end, you know, he almost won them the game for South Sydney against the Raiders and almost got them into uh, a grand final. So he did finish strong. So I apologise there. But to see him come back from, you know, the beginning of the season being suspended, you know, that game against the Dragons, Cody Walker put the bunnies on his back. Cody Walker, he put the bunnies on his back and he, you know, he he's playing like they had spiders on him on Friday yeah. night as well. So, um, you Definitely. know, special mention to Cody Walker. He didn't get in the top three, but, you know, he's he's doing well for himself. Yeah, without a doubt. He is, he is one of those players, though. He is one of those players that when he gets it going, he does have spiders on him. It's like he's got them up his sleeves and he goes, whoop, they're going to come out tonight. Yeah, They're yeah. coming out tonight, you know. So yeah. he's a one-man wrecking ball. It's, it's it's funny you say that he is like you know like when Hayne gets going or Inglis gets going, you know, but he doesn't have mm-hmm. the size that they have. But he's just no. the mouse or the nuance of rugby league. He's just just a perfect instinctful player who yeah, he just just reads the game and plays it's it's yeah, he's just he is like a he's out in the wild. It's like a, it's like if you take a, a if you take a domestic house cat who's never been outside a house but you take it out to the bushes, that motherfucker will go start killing things. It will just hunt. It's just got instincts. It just knows. A cat who's never stepped foot outside will see a bird and just go... And you, that you better believe that that killing machine will go after it. And that's Cody Walker. It's just His natural instinct is a footy field. As a sniffing out a hole, finding uh, you know, a bit of tied forward, finding a tied forward... And just go on bang. And he's just got that that speed and that, you know, he's a scary player. Very scary player coming into the finals. Yeah, correct. Anyway, uh, enough about that. The the regular season is done and dusted for 2020. It's done and dusted. You know, we will refer back to moments throughout this regular season, but it's time for us as a podcast and as a game to move on to finals. Football. You know, it kicks New off. Season. We're not going to start with that match. We're going to finish with that match as usual. Uh, but we'll just go over quickly over a few of the matches for, or well, not few of the matches, the four matches from this week, starting with the Sharks. Sorry, the Raiders hosting the Sharks. Yes. So, so uh, we've obviously decided to go least tantalizing to most tantalizing. Sure. Um, so um, these guys will be kicking off on, uh, is it Saturday night? Uh, yeah, Saturday 5 They're playing, they're playing the 5 30 game. Yeah. yeah. So look, Raiders, Sharks, look. There's not a great lot deal to talk the about. Biggest mismatch of the finals. Um, I'm going to say it straight. Mass, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, we just saw in the weekend, uh, the, the Raiders rested 12 players and they still won comfortably. Yeah. Um, the Sharks, unfortunately, just been bitten by the injury bug as well. They're missing a lot of guys. So, geez, it'd be a boil over if they won. It would be the biggest boil over of the weekend. Yeah. Without a doubt. Of the season. Um, of the season. Oh, yeah, we had pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you Bulldogs know, so. beat City. Bulldogs beat City. Ball over. Okay, the next biggest one would be this, but it's a semi-final knockout game, mate. This is the big ball over the season. I'm telling yeah, you. with the, with the guys they're missing, it would be it would be one of the Sharks' proudest wins 
you know, obviously take it out there, you know, they're, when they when they're made comp. Uh, but if they were to be able to beat this Raiders side, you know, fuck, impressive, very impressive. So who knows? Look, finals footy could throw up some some curveballs, um, and they got enough guys in there who have played together. Who, you know, you know, you're not going to um, miss effort from guys like Toby Rudolph, uh, Wade Graham. But they just got nothing. I'm trying to build the game up, mate. Move on to the next one. Parramatta. Uh, sorry, the storm. <laughs> I'll be going for Cronulla. Go on up, up, Cronulla. I'll be going for Cronulla as well, because if we lose, that's who we got. Anyway. <laughs> right, so Storm and the Eels up there at Sunny Coast. Yeah, look, uh, you know, a bit of re- they've played a bit of finals footy recently. The Storm have had the wood on Parramatta forever, um, really. Uh, I mean, the Storm had the wood on a lot of teams, uh, but they obviously gave them a bit of a hiding uh, last, last year in that week two. Uh, after Parramatta coming off that 58-nil drubbing of, of the Broncos and they got some medicine themselves or beat 30-nil. They actually had a much closer game in 2017, if you remember, in the first week of the finals. They nearly knocked them off, um, 18-16. Um, and that's how they're going to play, you know. For Parramatta, I mean, they've got to be they've got to be the Parramatta that they were in uh, June. Before Moses you know? got injured. Yeah, pretty much before Moses got injured. It's going to be hard... Look, it would be interesting if Dylan Brown can play. I find it interesting that you say they have to be the parameter of June because we all know you don't win premierships in June. Exactly right. Exactly right. Look, they just... There was some, some more sparks out of them against the Tigers on the, uh, on the weekend. You know, they can at least take some things from it. Now, granted, it's the Tigers and the team they're playing beat the Tigers and put 50 on them the week before. Um, but... Their, their defense is good enough when they're on, but then obviously I think the confidence in their defense could come from uh, in their attack could come from their defense and vice versa. Um, they were real kick happy for a moment, so running around like headless chooks um, against the Tigers last week for a moment when they were behind. They kept kicking on fourth tackle and third tackle, and you can see they were forcing it. They're like, well, we've got to create something. Let's not just run up the mill, one hit up off. And they were trying a bit too hard. Um, you've got to find the balance against this Melbourne team. Um, Gutho has got to be exceptional, but yeah, like Moses the key. I think, I think Dylan Brown's a maybe. Dylan Brown's a maybe for them. To be honest, like I think without Dylan Brown, uh, it's going to be real hard for him. I know it's a lot to say for a guy who's in his second year. It's going to be hard for him regardless. I, I don't reckon it's the maybe it's what Dylan Brown does for Mitchell Moses, but I think yes. Moses is the key. And, and if that means he needs to someone to help him, then okay, fair enough. But for me, if you look at their their wingers. Sivo and Ferguson. Ferguson, I'm telling you, okay, other than the fact that he hasn't scored a try, he's been waiting for finals football. He, and, and uh, you know, he, he dropped that bomb against the Tigers on the weekend as well. But I feel Black Ferguson, we're going to see the best of Black Ferguson. Uh, Sivo is as good as any back three winger in the game, right? Uh, big, tough carries, hard to handle. And when he gets a sniff, he's hard to stop. So those two at the back, we've got Jennings, experienced campaigner. You know, not the Jennings that we, we've, we've seen the peak of him. We've seen the best of Jennings, but we've still got plenty more to see of him. Wonga Blake. I just know that he can be unleashed. I'd rather have Wonga Blake than not have Wonga Blake on Parramatta. Yeah, he's, he's big, he's fast, he's dangerous. Big, fast, dangerous. Bang, that's exactly right. Clint Gutherson, you know he's ever reliable. They've changed up Sean Lane. That could be a little bit of a kick up the backside. Ryan Madison's been solid. Nathan Brown ain't going to let you down. 
Reid Marty's found a little bit more confidence, especially after that win against the Tigers. And Junior Paulo and Regan Campbell-Gillard, they can do their thing. Their bench mm. is probably where the Storm get them. I think you said they've got the best bench in the game. But without, mm. with, regardless of what the bench the Parramatta Seal have, they've got a club, or, sorry, a roster and a squad that if they defend well and Moses gets his game on, they're not going to be walkovers. They're not going to be easy I, bits of the Melbourne Storm. I think as well, you know, when they, again, look, like we said, you can't draw... You can't draw too much from early parts of the season. But when the Parramatta were looking fairly really confident and they were rolling and they were, um, you know, they, they really looked dominant, they were, they had the right balance of the offloads they got in their game from their middle guys to get that second phase. And then I think they went through, through a bit of a period where, you know, they just sort of, they made a few errors and you can make some poor offloads and bad timing. It can sometimes make you a little bit gun shy. Now, Judy Paulo has uh, one of the most, uh, was one of the leaders in offloads through the season. So he's always he's just a guy who's got an offload in him. But when they were able to get that second phase play, that's when Mitchell, jo- uh, Mitchell Moses, who's very quick, very quick, would then use his pace and really take it to the line and then utilise those edges. So I think they've... Because the Storm are a seasoned defensive um, operation. You need to throw a bit more at them. And look, you've got to die. You've got to... You're going to leave it all out there. So yeah. I think definitely getting those offloads going and getting a bit of second phase play, they can't die trying. Um, because they, this Storm team is, they've got a lot more points in them than previous Storm teams have had. And Parramatta are going to need to score. They're going to, of course, they need to, to defend every game you've got to defend its finals. But they need to be able to score like three or four tries to win. They really do. Um, and they're not going to do it by the vanilla stuff that they do rolling up and down. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, um, no, you're right about that. Okay, that's going to be a tight, tight contest, but they, they can't. And that's the thing. You, you don't want to, you're not going to get a 10, 12 win against the Melbourne Storm anymore. Yeah. yeah. And look, Melbourne Storm, they, they, they still could be missing a few guys. Fanukin <coughs> may or may not be back, um, but they're more or less full strength. Um, they've got a very, very strong outfit. Look, they're going to be tough to beat in Queensland. Yeah. Um, they're going to be t- they're tough to beat anywhere. Tough to beat anywhere, but they're going to be tough to beat in Queensland. So, yeah, look, I'm storm for me. Yeah. Well, Cameron Smith doesn't lose a tough call. Anyway, um, we'll go on to... Yeah, sorry. South Sydney versus the Knots. Yeah, look, really exciting game. This one's on Sunday afternoon. Um, look, the results of Friday night determined where that would be, and it's going to be at ANZ. Um, I know there's a lot of disappointed uh, Newcastle fans based off what they saw in the weekend. Um, once again, the, the yin and yang or the jerkle and hide um, of the Newcastle Knights season. And they missed out on a home final. It would have been, they could have had 15,000 rabid Knights fans up here at Hunter Stadium. And that's a massive loss for them. Look, South Sydney are a better side than Newcastle. So they need as many edges as they could have gotten. Um, but again, look, this is, this is a unique situation where you've got one team coming off a hiding from a team that didn't make the finals. And the other team coming off giving a hiding to the premiership favourites or previously premiership favourites and defending premiers. So there's always, you know, through the season, there's always a little bit of that. You know, when you see a team really give a team a touch up and the next week, sometimes there can be a bit of a regress. And you can see the vice versa when, um, when a team gets flogged, uh, how they sort of bounce back from it. So first time finals footy for Newcastle in seven years. They're happy for that. But 
you know, are they just content with making it? That's the question. Yeah, I think they're just content with making it. And the way that South Sydney played on the weekend, bloody hell, I can't see anyone stopping them outside the top four, except for the Raiders. I know it just sounds the only reason why I wanted the Tigers to win, not was so that we could come third, because the truest the truest top four right now is Panthers, Storm, Roosters, Raiders. And that's what would have happened if the Tigers won. That's the yeah. truest top four. But anyway, Paramount. Look, the, the the thing you gotta remember though as well, with the with the night, the, with the bunnies, the reason why they are in sixth and not in that top four is um is that consistency. Yeah, yeah. Which they, they have lacked. You know, uh, when they've been able to hold on to the ball and complete at a high rate, they've got fantastic skill players. You know, um, Reynolds and Walker and uh, and Cook and, and obviously previously Mitchell. And they've got a lot of great, uh, a great back line and the way they operate. Dangerous. They can open up anybody. But then they'll go through periods where they just drop a lot of ball. Now, let's not forget, granted, South Sydney were phenomenal. They were phenomenal on the weekend um, against the Roosters. They were sensational. Like the Roosters actually only missed about 20, 20 something tackles. Like, but South just opened them up at will. Cody Walker, like we said, he has spiders on him. But let's not forget the week before they conceded 26 points against the worst attack in the comp. Yeah. So a lot can happen in a week. So uh, are we going to get a regression in a team that's like, oh, yep, fuck, we're flying high. Yep, we'll run through the Knights. Or. Just do they make a few errors? And then the Knights beat them last time. The last time they played, it was at ANZ. The Knights won 20 to 18, and they were up 20 nil. With about 20 minutes to go, the Bunnies came that, home. That was at Bank West. Bank West, sorry, was that at Bank West? It was in Sydney. It was in Sydney. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah, the Knights were up 20 nil and just looked far better. And South just kept dropping the ball, poor completion rate. Um, Newcastle really dominated the possession, and they played like a more experienced season side by just doing the one percenters, kicking the balls in the right areas, getting into the corners, defending really tough. And then South showed us what they could do in 15 minutes yeah. and just put on a bit of a burst. So I think it's going to be closer than what we think it's going to be. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because I think there's, look, it just, look, if South City turn up like they did on Friday, like you said, they'll fucking open them up. Um, but Newcastle have got, they do have a strong pack. Again, it's both sides. It's like, well, which team's going to turn up? Yeah, well, that's it. Exactly right. And that's why I ran it straight at Adam O'Brien because Nathan Brown had the same problems. Yeah, the problems had, with that team. We had locker room problems as we've discussed. As we've discussed. I've just got a soft spot for Brownie. Anyway. Well, the, so I think the key, the keys for Newcastle is getting the go forward with the Saifidi boys. Um, getting that go forward going through to get to lay that platform, and then Mitchell Pearce, he needs to be he needs to be exceptional, and he's been a little bit more patchy this year. He hasn't been the leader that he's needed to be. Um, he's lacked a bit of variety sometimes in his kicking game, and it's gone a bit stale. Whoops. And then sometimes, and sometimes he's been poor in his his I guess his leadership in the way he's showed himself, like we've talked about throughout the year and when penalties have been given away and arguing with refs or complaining or sucking and that fucking can't happen. So he's got a lot of finals footy experience. Hopefully he's there and ready to really switch on. And they've got that superstar at the back in Caelan Ponga, who you just got to give him, give him a little bit of space and he'll fucking do the rest. Like, I just asked for one thing from Mitchell Pierce. I asked for a torpedo bomb. I'm sick of the box kick. Yeah. One bomb. 
Yeah. This box kick's so boring. It's not even it's not even boring. It's gotten to a point where where it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know how sort of like things become a trend and then the, tr- the only reason why that trend stops is because it's no longer as effective because they've got more looks at it. Yeah. We've got looks at it. Now I understand it's, a, it's, but to me, I feel like as a, as a, as a spy, you need to be more threatening than just trying to nullify a tackle out of them. You know what yeah. I mean? You got to offer Unless, more than just, all right, all we can do is really minus a tackle from you. Yeah, look, it's, it's most effective when you can have pinpoint accuracy. If you can go, oh, I'm going to put this box kick up, it's going to give the defence time to get through. But you need to fucking be getting that on the spot, three metres out from the line, and that's when it's most effective. Because outside of the position where it comes down, like you said, the rest of it, it for these professionals, it's an easy take. Like when you see these kicks that Adam Reynolds puts up, and, uh, you know, there's a few of the guys that, that have some, you know, different floaters, Torpedoes, challenge Make it, make it yeah. a challenge. Anyway, anyway. But, but yeah, look, he's, look, he's, look, it's, he's going to be up against it. And you look at the halves. I mean, for the Knights, they've got Mitchell Pearce and whoever they put at six. Like, it's been a bit cursed for them in the nine and the six role and in those playmaking roles. So, why don't, um, they, why don't they put Kurt Mann back there and just have someone play number nine? I think they should play Kurt Mann at, at six and just play Randall at nine. Yeah, because Kurt Mann's been. He's a hooker. He's a hooker. Look, at the end of the day, he's a hooker. Okay, is he going to be Cameron Smith for you? No. You know what he's going to do? He's going to make 60 fucking tackles and he's going to throw passes and put it on the chest of the person who needs it. And then Kurt Mann can get it back out there and, and do the things that was really uh, important for the Knights having, you know, a, a top eight performing year. Well, they were playing their best football when he was at six. Now, if Blake Green comes to the club, you move him. You move him. Yeah. But Blake Green's no longer there. So you put him back to six and you let him be the six because that's when they're playing their best football. For sure. Um, look, we've, had let's do it. we've had enough of them. We've waited to get it this all, all night, all day and all night. Prentice Panthers hosting the back-to-back premiers. History making. Yeah. Sydney Roosters. But, um, you know, all season long, because we haven't really played them, I've always been thinking, ah, fuck, we'll beat them. Ah, fuck, we'll beat them. Ah, fuck, we'll beat them. They're just fucking lucky they already played us. Ah, we'll fucking beat them. And then we play South. Me and you are talking a couple of minutes before the game. We're talking fucking five tries to two. That's a pass mark. Five tries to two. That's a pass mark. We fucking got fed. 54 fucking tries to two. Not the other way around. And then you fucking think, oh, shit, man, we can't beat the Pity Panthers. Maybe I am blinded by the fact that the the fucking, you know, living off last year's successes. Maybe I don't want to accept the fact that Penrith have overtaken us now. Now this is the challenge. Now this is what the contest is about. The new boys in town up against the hardened, experienced, back-to-back, proven, tried and tested roosters. Yeah. You know, youth and exuberance. Yeah, without a doubt. Look, it's, you know, I think we, we spoke on Sunday when we were finally able to, you know, summon up the courage to, to discuss the matter. Um, and I start, I've still been able to, unable to relocate my Roosters jersey. I had to put it away for a while. Um, 
but you know all the questions and you know all the shock from all the commentators from your everyday fans and pundits to the to the ones you hear on the tv and the radio um you know how much does it matter is this are the roosters cooked uh do you bury it is it a match that doesn't mean anything look we can talk about this to the cows come home but all the answers we're going to get we'll find out by 10 p.m friday night well to be honest we'll find out before then um but that's when we get the results so yeah, look, fuck, what a contest. What a way to kick off the finals football. You know, we, we, because it really, it really is. It really is. That's like, because if you had Penrith versus Parramatta, um, okay, Battle of the West, but you know, Parramatta slipped away a bit and Penrith have been looking really classy and they, they beat them last time they played a few weeks ago. This is the real test to find out where both teams are at. Where both teams are at. Yeah, and, and the only reason why there's a question mark now is the fact that they, the Roosters have fallen into a position that... No team has ever won after fifty. Now it's one of those. It's one of those stats, or those uh, omens, more so than a stat, where it it can have some sort of an impact. Uh, but it's not like the 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 omen where you know the Wallabies can't win at Eden Park. It's not like that either. It's like one of those omens where it does have some validity, but it also doesn't. And the reason why it doesn't is because what happens if one, you know, the fact is we didn't fucking play our reserve grade side. And maybe we fucking should have done the old Adam O'Brien and fucking thrown out the reserve graders and let them get their flog 60 to fucking eight because they wouldn't have done, they wouldn't have got beaten by more than 60. It's funny that that sort of number in that stat, because I wonder, you know, what's 48? What's 48 look like? Yeah, well, look, if 48-8, fuck it to me, it's the same. It's, it's just about as bad. Like, just yeah. 60 just is just feels and hurts worse because there's a there's a significance to those numbers. Yeah. But if we got beat 40-8, I, I, I wouldn't be feeling very great either. Yeah. Where's the cutoff? Where, where, would, where would be the cutoff where you would feel like you would just, without thinking too much, you could allow going, well, fuck, we just got outdone today, we didn't turn up. Well, 30? I was watching the game at halftime. I said, don't get over 48. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I remember you, I remember you saying that. I said, as long as it doesn't get to 50. That was the cutoff. That, that was the cutoff purely based on the fact that the record states that no one's ever succeeded. So has a team won the comp with 49 points? Has a team won... The, I don't know. You know, has anyone even... has? You know, is it actually 50 or is it 48? Was it 52? Oh, oh I, tell you, I think teams have had 40 put on them. You know, otherwise, why the fuck would the stat be fifty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be forty. It'd be forty if it was forty. They'd get it as low as they can. Um, look, numbers can be dangerous in the wrong hands. So you got to, we've got to be careful where you pick them. Um, they can, they can tell stories, but they shouldn't be the story. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be a real test. It's quite. It's two different teams. And I'm, you know, I was, I was listening to. Um, uh, the Triple M, the Sunday Simbin on, on the weekend and they had Stephen Crichton on. And uh, they were sort of asking him a bit about, you know, where, you know, obviously you guys are flying high and everything else, but where, where did you guys feel like you you felt like, hey, you know what, we could give this a bit of a shake this year, you know, really get that belief that, hey, this could be something. And they sort of, he sort of goes, oh, look, we through the preseason, you, you started to feel like, hey, we've got a pretty good team, you know, mate, you know, we, we can be, um, we can be a threat. But they said when they beat the Roosters in the first round, you know, and, and they said 
after you know winning that first round and beating the Roosters, you just instilled them with belief, like, hey, you know what? Fuck or why not? We can do this, and they just sort of grew from there, and they really did. You know, I mean, look, <laughs> they only lost one game all year, so um, it was an impressive season. So they definitely got a lot of belief. Having a young side through this COVID break, having no buys, um, is a definitely a benefit. You know, just a lot of fresh legs, um, fresh minds. You've also got a lot of players who that aren't there's a lot less players who have got families and you know kids and other extended families where they want those they might want a bit more of those bigger support networks. You got a lot of 21, 22, 23 year old blokes who are just like, yeah, sweet, let's just fucking hang out together, whatever. Um, so that's definitely benefited them, and they haven't had injuries. Whereas Roos is quite the opposite. A lot more, a lot more seasoned vets. Um, you know, still a little bit of youth sprinkled through, but mostly guys who are either in their prime or towards the, you know, towards the end, more towards the end of their careers, have had to deal with a lot of injuries. Um, have had a couple of really long seasons, obviously in the last few years, going all the way and winning the comp. And you know, they've they've really had to fight this year. So we're going to see what kind of champion they are this week. Um, is how they respond. You know, if, they, if they're able to respond this Friday and win after being given a floggy last week, that, that sends a message to themselves and the rest of the teams that, hey, you know, don't you fucking sleep on us. Um, if they don't, they get beat. Like, well, look, that's probably it, you know. I don't know. Like, it depends on how the game goes, of course. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I, look, I, wouldn't, I won't write the Roosters off until they've no longer got next week. Um, look, I, I have stupid faith in my team. So much stupid faith that when it was 24-4 at halftime, I checked what price we were. Uh, really? and shortly after, and probably about in the five, five, five minutes after halftime, we were $12. And I went, that's great. And I whacked 20 bucks on us and then watched South score within two minutes after. And <laughs> I still had faith. I had faith because we scored after that. I was like, hey, look, we can still do this. So... Look, I'm always going to give you give dumb faith to my team, and I've seen Robbo prove time and time again what he can do. We know what kind of champion Sonny the Williams is. The team is stacked full of fantastic players. Something that I take a lot from is something that that Robert Trent Robinson said in the press conference when he said, "Look, they didn't become poor football players overnight. Um, you know, we've got to take our medicine, uh, see what we can learn from this, and then you know." And Luke Kiry again, same thing. He said, "Look, you know, we'll we'll look through through what we've got to do, uh, what we've got to do better, and then we'll get over this pretty quickly because we've you know we've got a big game next week and everything starts when we've got to be." Um, a different side. So we know it's all in there. We know what the Roosters are capable of because they've shown this season that in, in 20 minutes, they can blow a team off the park and score three tries. But Penrith have been the best defensive team all year. They've been the most consistent team all year. And they've been probably the most injury-free team all year. So this is the freshest, toughest contest that they've had um, for a while. For, they have for played a, us since the break. That's true. They that's have, true. And it's a massive... And this is the biggest test for Penrith. They haven't played us since the fucking break. And we talk about the Broncos and we say, well, it's not an average. And you're right. It wasn't a fucking average. But the fact is the Broncos have played us twice. Panthers haven't played us since the break. They haven't played us this season. They haven't played us this season. They no, the season started. They haven't played us this season. It was a trial game a million years ago. Mate, Boyd wasn't playing. 
But no, look, honestly, this will be the making of both clubs. I think this will be the making of both clubs. All right, here, here we go. And look, like, maybe because we haven't played them, I don't fear them. But they haven't fucking played us. They're undefeated this year. They lost one game. They fucking lost their Parramatta. We will fucking shit on Parramatta. They fucking played Melbourne. Uh, where did they play Melbourne? Uh, in Penrith. In Penrith. You know, they beat Melbourne. All right, yeah, beat fucking Melbourne. You get that every now and then, especially if you're in form. But we want to come without fucking beating Melbourne. Fuck that. They're playing us now. They haven't fucking played us. You haven't lost the game. You haven't fucking played us. How is that? How's that for a reward? You you have a stellar year. You lose one game all year. Romp home to the minor premiership. Congratulations. You're playing the Roosters. You got to play <laughs> us. You're playing mate, us. If, mate, if there was anyone who would be an advocate for the McIntyre system right now, it would be Ivan Cleary. Mate, always. Whoever Mate, eight years ago, I was playing Cronulla for a shot at the prelim. Now I've got to play the Roosters? Mate, as I said, first and second are the only ones robbed of this. And that's almost an argument to say why the new system is better because it's about a finals. All the teams that make it to the playoffs make it a better chance for all of you to win. Okay, sorry, you guys yeah. have come back to the field, but everyone else has an even, even more... Yeah, even this is... Yeah, this is this is where it's made of. And um, look, la- the Roosters had a game against the last time they played in the finals was two thousand and fourteen, um, and that was when the Roosters finished first, um, off the back of uh, the premiership the previous year and Penrith Penrith beat us. Oh, Jamie Soward. Jamie Soward field goal. Yeah, well, I remember where we were. We were at your auntie's house. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was tough. We were overseas. We were overseas for that one. Um, yeah, look, that wasn't a great year. Look, we also we got beat by South in the prelim that year too. So um, wasn't wasn't a great season. But it all started in that first round where we lost to Penrith. Um, different circumstances, different team, um, but still Penrith. So bit of revenge there um, for for the Roosters for Robinson. Um, would he have been coming up against um, Ivan Cleary then as well? Probably. Probably. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, that would have been in his first stint. So, no, Nathan. Nathan was still in high school then. Um, you know, Jamie Sowell. You know, he's, he's a little bit larger. We're working for NRL.com now. But back then he was breaking Roosters' hearts. Yeah. I can't wait for this contest. If anything, yeah. just for... I'm, like, I know come Friday I'm going to be filled with nervous energy. Um, you know, because they've been a fucking impressive team all year. And I... And... After what I saw on Friday night, while always believing my team, I just don't, I can't guarantee what I know I will see from them. I have full belief that they'll be able to, you know, turn up and, well, I don't, I guess I, I have full belief in my team. I'm just not 100% sure what I'm going to see. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a wrap for the rugby league there. Did you want us to give us a quick wrap on the basketball? Just a quick, quick one before we finish it off? Yeah, look. Yeah, look, um, we had a uh, look game six of the Eastern Conference Finals uh, wrapped up today. The Miami Heat uh, back in the NBA Finals for the first time since 2014. Um, they did beat our beloved Celtics. Uh, really, really fun series, but ultimately Miami were just, they were just too good. Um, I think it hurt the Celtics having Gordon Hayward out um, throughout the postseason. You sort of only just come back midway through this series. But Miami were just a better team. 
they they had it was like a kind of like the an eight-headed monster they didn't they weren't guided by just one or two stars like they still had their two best players but there was a number of guys that could have beat you throughout that night and so yeah Miami are through they're going to be um I think they're a good chance to win it all Uh, but they're going to have to go through LeBron so you know LeBron LeBron did what Kawhi and the Clips couldn't do and that's close out the Nuggets when you've got a 3-1 lead you do not give them another game and LeBron was phenomenal in game five 38 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, letting everyone know, hey, still my fucking league. So that's going, to be a, that's going to be a great series. I think that's going to be... Both teams have come in and, to be honest, dominated the postseason. Um, they both got finished with a 12-3 and record. Yeah. Um, that was Miami's longest series at 4-2. So they've both been really impressive and very different matchups stylistically. Um, look... LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to be uh, the. You're never going to be able to match up with those two guys, um, but it's how you know as a team collectively you can perform. So that kicks off on Thursday. Um, now to give you an idea what some of the the punting organisations think, I threw um, I threw a little bet on the Lakers at the beginning of the year. Um, uh, I just thought they were going to win. I thought they're the best team, and after the Lakers beat the Nuggets yesterday. They paid out my bet. Oh, yeah. They paid out... Sports bet? Sports bet paid out $2 million in bets on the Lakers. Now, granted, I'm sure they probably kept a lot of money from all that money that people bet on the Clippers. So well, they went fucking... Job's not done. But job's I'm... not done, no. No, hey, look, no. I'm stoked because now it doesn't matter. I've already been paid. doesn't matter. It don't matter. And look... Look, they paid out on uh, they paid out on a few things and they'd been wrong. So, uh, but great publicity for them. But yeah, exciting matchup. We're either going to get uh, Jimmy Butler getting his first ring and this ragtag bunch of dogs in Miami, really fun team to watch, or you get LeBron James making history and, and winning his fourth ring for a third different franchise um, and really cementing himself as, as one of the greats. And you know they're starting to etch his spot up there on the Mount Rushmore um, if it already if it wasn't already. There, yeah, well, yeah, that's right. definitely yeah. gonna have to get a little bit bigger, yeah, yeah, just, just probably just getting ready to put extra rings on there. But yeah, they'd be my tip for the Lakers. They're just LeBron and AD is just a two headed monster that's just too much to, um, too much to handle. But it's like a two headed monster versus an eight headed monster, yeah, but the two heads are like way bigger with more teeth. Oh. But get- look, hey, I, I, I still think it'll be a great series. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I think the, the Lakers will be too good. But hey, I thought the Clippers were going to be too good for the Nuggets too. Maybe we should call it a wrap then for tonight, eh? You know, I can't wait. Awards, not. Let's go, you fucking chooks. You chook, Come man. on, baby. Show us what you're chook. made of. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. If you're still here, you know, like us on Instagram, Facebook. Tell your friends. Get your friends to subscribe. Share it with your friends. Tell them what you think. Ask them who they thought they should be in their All-NRL team. And if your All-NRL team can be in our All-NRL team, let's fucking have a game and let's fucking get it on. No, no, sorry for swearing. I apologise about that. Got to cut that swearing out. Anyway, absolute pleasure. Up the Chooks. Big game this weekend. Let's get it on. Trent Robinson, do your thing, baby. Do your, do your thing, baby. Sorry. Bring it. Bring it. Finals footy. It's got us all giddy. We can't wait. Yeah.
Let's get it on. Four more swipes. Up that shit. Peace out. Much love. Up that shit. Peace out.